you're listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J.M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom and I'm with Fred Long. This is a Grammar Point episode. We are continuing to talk about verbs. We've been in this long march of discussing verbs for quite some time now. I think this is part 22 or 23 or something like that. And on the ledger today, we have the concept of optative. So Fred, when we're thinking about verbs in relation to the notion of optative, what are we thinking about? What's the optative? It's well first of all it's uh it's known as the evtike enclesis. Ah yeah evtike yes. uh means uh expressing a wish. So um that's what it was considered right in antiquity. So this is a mood of potentiality uh expressing a wish. It's uh, softer than a subjunctive. Subjunctive also kind of overlaps a little bit, uh, but is a little bit more concrete than the optative. The optative is a bit more wishy-washy, so to speak, than the subjunctive. Um, it occurs 68 times in the New Testament, uh, 15 of which are in the uh, expression may uh, yin yito, may yin ito. May it not be, or no way. And so Paul uses this. It's, uh, he asks a question, and then he has this dialogue going on with somebody. And so he'll ask these questions, or someone will ask him a question, this presumed interlocutor, and then he'll respond, respond may yinito, uh, no way, uh, may it not be. Hmm. Yeah. So he's uh, when he's expressing the the wish or the desire may it not be he's wishing that something would not happen or might not happen how do we when we encounter an optative in english is it the same as when we encounter an optative in greek do we even have optatives in english and when we encounter it in greek how do we best translate it or handle it well by construction same with the subjunctive you know people will think that they can just supply a may or might and translate the subjunctive that doesn't work uh at all in fact i can't think of a construction where i would say it needs to be translated may or might probably something is true like that of the of the optative um i'm not sure we have optatives in english they the probably closest thing would be maybe an exclamation you know oh that it would rain tomorrow that might Mm. be uh, an optative uh in greek so this kind of wish, uh, wish is uh, is is common um, in 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 the optative. So I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to go in, into okay. use. Well, I know we've we've talked a lot about. Um, I don't know if we've talked a lot about it on here, but I know you and I have talked about it quite a bit over the years when we're encountering subjunctives using like would, right? Um, mm-hmm. W-O-U-L-D, uh, that, yeah. that sort of thing. And and when we were just doing Meyenuto, uh, Meyenuto, uh with Paul, you had translated it 
may it not be is may a good um translation like tactic when we're dealing with optative or no it really depends on the construction um sometimes a would 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 happen so for example in conditional statements a would 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 work well uh for example in act 1727 um that they would be seeking god if then indeed they would grope for him or might grope for him and find mm. him those are optatives there um so would potentially find him uh, is you know is is there or, or might so it just depends on the construction um yeah okay so the there the wish for them to find god and you mentioned that it's sort of weaker um than the subjunctive are you talking about weaker in terms of its implications or what do you mean weaker how well in my growing understanding i think of of the moods is that they have relative salience to one another the indicative being the most concrete uh then the imperative probably being the most next concrete then the subjunctive then the optative so gotcha. um, this has to do with vividness like how concretely the author wants uh wants the audience to uh, feel uh the what is happening or or to envision envision it so you kind of have to understand this in relation to the use of these uh moods so the optative one of the uses of the optatives is when you have a historical narrative and then you have a subordinate clause within that historical narrative so that that subordinate clause can be put into the optative mood and this is called optative and secondary sequence this occurs in luke it's a little bit high literary greek but luke does it and so this is 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 a was a customary practice you could do this but when it doesn't occur when when the uh, subjunctive is retained or an indicative is retained when when many authors would flip to the optative the in, indicative is used to increase vividness so mm. what that means is that when it's not used you're decreasing vividness So this kind of language of vividness comes from Herbert Weir Smythe's grammar, uh his understanding and I think it's common it's not just common to him. So uh this idea of relative salience and vividness is I think a very helpful category to understand. Um yeah, so that's one of the uses of the optative is in secondary sequence. It is used in conditional statements as well like there are conditions with e uh the conjunction uh meaning if and you can form that if the protasis part with an optative mm. now this is the um what's called the the less vivid construction <laughs> so uh less vivid is using e with the optative the more mm. vivid is aeon with the subjunctive the most vivid 
is E with the future indicative. So by understanding these different con conditional constructions and their names by classical grammarians, less vivid, more vivid, most vivid, and you have a movement from optative to subjunctive to indicative. And mm. so that's just an example of, the, of an understanding of, of the vividness, the relative salience of using one mood as opposed to another. So, um, mm. you, and you, you just can't do this willy-nilly. There are certain circumstances where this is, can be done, one of, where you have options. So one of them is conditional sentences you can, if they're future time framed, you can use indicative, subjunctive, or optative. That's a that's a choice. Um, in secondary sequence, in historical narrative, in good classical Greek, you could put the second the subordinate clause into an optative construction. But if you don't, you're retaining vividness. Uh, you're making it more concrete. Um, mm. So, and then you have these wish. Uh, wish statements which is just kind of you know that's that's even not as envisioned as real right because you're saying i wish it were raining tomorrow like that's not any yeah, yeah. degree of certainty you're obviously just saying you know i wish it could so uh yeah the optative is used in these ways and um yeah so they don't have a high frequency in the new testament but uh they occur in some important places and um, they're used in this idiom, may yinito, um, may it not be, or no way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Reminds me of an old uh, 90s hip-hop song. The title of it was I Wish. And the, I think the rapper's name was uh, Ski Low. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever heard this song, but like pretty much every line of it is like, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. <laughs> I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit <laughs> with a bat and a six four Impala. So every the whole song is like these Built wishes. That, uh, yeah, he's and they're they're never going to come true. <laughs> like, that's the implication of the song, right? Uh, yeah, um, they're never going to come true. I think it never. should be called the optative song from now on. There you go. Yeah, if you if, uh, you Greek students need. Um, Inspiration. A good example of some optatives. There you go. Check out Skilo's I Wish. But, all right, Fred. Well, thanks for sharing. And uh, everyone, thanks for watching. Hit that like button, the subscribe button, and best of all, the share button. All right. We hope this helps. Take care. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.